if you are like me, then your to-do list is long. Your responsibilities are numerous. And honestly, I bet you've just been spending a lot of your adult life taking care of other people. And midlife is really the opportunity for you to look inside and take care of yourself, pour into yourself so you can pour better into the ones you love. So much of midlife is on repeat. And that's why Shannon Salentine and I want to invite you to the Seize Your Midlife Retreat. It is September 30th to October 2nd, Oceanside, North Myrtle Beach, a beautiful gated resort. We are going to take a boat out into the ocean and picnic in the sand. You are going to make new friends, take time to reset, and walk away with a renewed enthusiasm and excitement. You are going to get unstuck, get off the hamster wheel, and have some real things to walk away with to really feel energized in this next chapter. You deserve this, my friends. If you would like more information on the retreat, if you would like to set up a payment plan or learn more, please email me at Brita, B-R-I-T-A, there, T-H-E-R-E, at hotmail.com. Or of course, visit our social media at Seize Your Midlife on Instagram and Facebook and send me a DM. I cannot wait to see the new you at the beach. Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, before we get started, I just want to say a few things. Today's episode is about marriage. And I am not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a therapist. These are just my own thoughts, ideas, and suggestions from my own long-time marriage and resources that I have collected. Also, and most importantly, if you are in a marriage where there is addiction, verbal, or physical abuse, please seek help from a certified counselor. Thanks so much, and let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so glad that you are here today. Today, we are talking about midlife marriage. 
So first I thought I would start by telling you my own marriage story. So you remember how I told you about how I was living in South Korea and I got dumped and came home and was heartbroken, broke, all the things. Um, Well, one of the things that happened was I got a job at a company in Economic, Wisconsin. And my very first day, I was sitting in a, I don't know, workshop, maybe you'd call it, with this unsettlingly handsome guy. And he was giving a talk on electrostatic dissipative material. I still have no idea what that even means. And truth be told, I wasn't really listening because he was so cute. That cute guy is now my husband, Andy. And it's funny because he was actually kind of a jerk to me. He would harass me about my hair and my clothes. And, you know, I remember one time he even said to me, oh, are you going to wear your Halloween costume to match your orange hair? But the biggest thing that he would do is come to my desk. I worked in international and I had this big map of the world. And he would argue with me about who was better traveled, BTW I still believe that I am better traveled. He may have been to more countries, which is what happens when you backpack in Europe. But I have lived for two years in different countries. So I think I win, don't you think? But anyways, I think you can imagine, you know, in kindergarten, first grade, when a boy likes you, he chases you and pushes you down in the playgrounds. That is how I imagine my start with Andy. Anyways, one day he comes over to my desk and he says to me, hey, you know the show, The Amazing Race? And I was like, yeah, love that show. And he's like, what do you think if we apply to be on The Amazing Race? Our whole like shtick can be that we're coworkers who don't really know each other, who don't really like each other all that much, but we share this bond and love of travel. And I was like, yeah, sure, we can we can try out to be on The Amazing Race. And I'm thinking nothing of it. And the next day, the 47-page application was on my desk. And I was like, okay, this guy was not kidding. But see, the thing is, we actually really didn't know each other. So we could not just fill out these questions. We didn't have anything to say about each other. So we started going out to lunch so that we could answer the questions. And it's funny because I remember one of the questions was, what celebrity does your partner remind you of? And I don't remember what I said about Andy, but I remember he said for me, Katie Couric. I would like to think it was because of my smarts, but I'm guessing it was because of my former Bob. (laughs) Anyways, this was like a whole process and we even had to have a photo shoot because we had no pictures together to submit for the application. And the final portion of the application was a video that you had to submit. So we recruited my friend Jen, who was our friend from work, and Andy was going to check out a camcorder because, you know, this is back in the day, a camcorder from work and bring it to my apartment. And I lived like 40 minutes from work. And so Jen and I are there waiting and Andy comes and he's like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot the camcorder. And you guys, he drove to Best Buy and bought, or yeah, bought 
a camcorder. And, you know, back in the day, first of all, one, we were like broke 20-somethings. But, you know, those were expensive back then. So my friend's like, dude, you know he likes you, right? And of course, at this time, I'm still like, no, I don't, I don't think so. But long story short, by the end of the night, we're kissing on the dance floor and the rest is history. He did, in fact, like me. (laughs) So once we get engaged, we decide we are going to get married in Mexico. And our save the dates even said the amazing race to Brita and Andy's wedding. And they had the cute little map with the airplane, you know, going from the U.S. to Mexico. And it said the little story about how we fell in love, vying for spots to be on the amazing race. So our wedding in Mexico, oh my gosh, everything at that time in Mexico was $500. 12-piece mariachi, yes, $500. Fireworks over the ocean, $500. Tropical flowers up the wazoo, also $500. Salsa instructor, you know what? That's going to be $500. Our wedding was magical. Perfect. I mean, frankly, it felt like a celebrity wedding for Mexican prices. It was amazing. We took over a little tiny boutique hotel in Puerto Vallarta. And I remember when I walked in and all my friends had arrived and everyone was dancing at the pool, it felt like something out of MTV. I was so excited. It was truly a dream wedding. But then we were married. Married. The party was over. The friends were gone. The planning was behind us. And the truth is, nobody teaches you how to be married. Yeah, there's a lot of things about how to plan a wedding, how to plan a shower, all of that. But nobody talks about being married. And certainly nobody talks about staying married. There are no classes in school, there's not even one hour spent on preparing people for marriage. Literally, you are supposed to spend 50 years of your life with somebody and nobody gives you any sort of education on it. How is that possible? Really, when you think about it, how is that possible? The only roadmap that we have for marriage is from our own parents. And in many cases, like mine, these are not the ones we want to carbon copy. We don't learn about marriage from society. In fact, the message we hear from the time we are little girls is the message of princesses. It is the message of kiss a frog and he'll become a prince. Happily ever after fairy tale endings. But the truth is marriage, it's not a fairy tale. I think Erin on one of my previous episodes did such a great job describing long-term marriage as crests. The ebbs and flows, crests and dips. There are sometimes whole seasons that are downright hard. My brother, who is super funny, called me after one of my first podcasts and he said, hey, can you do an episode on marriage? I'd like to seize that shit. I mean, seriously, I think we'd all like to seize that shit. Me too. But the truth is, I am actually not sure there's a perfect answer or a perfect formula for marriage or that you can seize it all the time. But here's what I do think. And God, let me just say I am still learning. Okay, 
These are my tips, by the way. Number one, when you feel like pulling away, when you feel distant, that is the time to pull in more than ever. I am not perfect at this. I do not always do it. I am working on it. But the truth is, if you keep going in your separate rooms, the chasm gets bigger. So pull in. Number two, go on dates. And I know you hear this over and over again, and I can't stress it enough. When you are in a dip, when you are in one of those just pitfalls, bad places, nothing helps you get out of it more than going on a date. You can have fun and you can remember why you fell in love in the first place. You can be like, yes, I do like you. And I know this isn't easy. And I know especially if you have kids, it feels sometimes impossible. With kids' sports, it's just sometimes insane. And I will say Andy and I sometimes are like two ships passing in the night. But that is why I'll sometimes just say, hey, it's a Wednesday. Can we go on a date after soccer and just have a drink? Can we go do something on a Sunday? Because it is so important to go on those dates. And in those spaces that you can't go on those dates, how about saying, hey, let's watch a show together. Let's go sit in the hot tub together. Whatever it is that you guys do, just make sure you're having that time that feels like a date in between the dates, okay? Number three, spend the money. Spend it now when it counts. If you go way back on my Summer Sunny Instagram account, you will see a picture of Andy and I, and we're standing in front of a limo and a helicopter. If you looked at it, you would be like, wow, it looks like a scene out of The Bachelor. Minus the fancy gowns were, I think, in tennis shoes. But we weren't on an episode of The Bachelor. We were on a marriage retreat. I like to call it the marriage retreat for the rich and famous. I think you all know I am neither rich nor famous. But we spent the money to go on this retreat because we were and we still are worth it. Our marriage, our foundation for our family was worth it, is worth it. We didn't go on the marriage retreat for the helicopter ride or staying in La Jolla Those things were nice benefits, but we went to do the hard work, and it was worth it. If you are ever asking yourself if something is worth the money for your marriage, like a babysitter, like a vacation, like a marriage retreat, like marriage counseling, the answer is yes. It's always yes. The average cost of a divorce is $15,000. A lot of times, it's more than 30,000. Marriage counseling or honestly any counseling of that matter is always worth the money. And just a little caveat, don't wait until it's too late. So many people say, you know what? By the time they got to marriage counseling, there was nothing to salvage. So spend the money now. Okay, the next one, put in the work. Two of my favorite marriage books are The Love Dare, which I'm still trying to finish all 30 days. And if you have tried The Love Dare, you know it is it is a challenge, but it is such a good thing to like pick back up when you get off track. It is truly golden. And if you are in a marriage, which I know I've heard a lot of people say they're the only one trying, The Love Dare is a really good book because it only takes one person. And maybe you've seen the super cheesy movie with Kirk Cameron called The Love Dare, and that's what this book comes from. And 
It is a religious book, but honestly, don't even think about that. You don't even need to buy the book. You can Google The Love Dare. It's 30 days of things to do. Um, You can just find it for free online. And I highly recommend it, especially if you are in a challenging place of struggling to be loving towards your spouse. The other book is called The Seven Principles of Making a Marriage Work by John Gottman. John Gottman is probably the leading therapist in the country on marriage. And I think, I wish that these principles are something that would be taught before people got married because they're so, so important. And I think um, it's it's a unique way of looking at marriage and I highly recommend that book as well. Okay, so here's another little tip. If you feel like you are constantly in your head thinking of the negative things and you are just feeling really down on your marriage or on your spouse for seven days, I want you to write down every day something or a few things that you feel grateful for your spouse. And you will notice the way it softens your heart and the way that it makes you look for the small things. Andy always does the laundry. He keeps the house super picked up. He never, ever once has complained about driving anybody to soccer. He always does the dishes after I make dinner without me asking. Listen, no matter what, there is always something to take notice of and be grateful for. So just try that challenge, especially if you find that you're ruminating over things that you feel bothered by. Okay, the next one is remind yourself that it will be hard. It won't be all hearts and rainbows no matter what. You aren't going to seize the shit out of your marriage all the time. It's just not possible. Okay, so I have to ask, have you guys heard of the Golden Girls plan? It's like the idea that, you know, someday down the road, all of your friends move in together and you, you know, you forget men. You just all live together. And sure, that sounds fun. But if you really think about that, if you had to do life I mean life, pay bills, have a house, take care of kids, all the things with anyone, including your very best friends, you would get annoyed with them. It wouldn't be all easy. You would get into arguments. There is no way that one person can operate your life with you for years, for decades, and have it be all golden girls moments. It is going to be hard. And I think that if you just have that as a thing in your head that it's going to be hard, that you can give your spouse and also your marriage a little bit of grace. You couldn't do it with your best friends either, your best girlfriends, without bumps and challenges. That is the nature of running life with somebody, an entire life with one person. Okay, so that brings me to the next point, your person, your spouse. They cannot be your everything. It is not fair to expect, ask, anything like that of your spouse to satisfy all the different things that make up your needs as a human being. One person does not have that capability. My husband is not a midlife woman. I'm going to guess your husband is not either. He doesn't want to talk about perimenopause or lasers or I don't know, whatever it is. All of the things. You need women in your life too. You need your friends who want to talk about different things, 
who satisfy different parts of your interests, maybe the books that you read or the hobbies that you have. And that's the other piece. You need hobbies. You need interests. You need things that are just yours. I think having a purpose that belongs to just you is such a critical piece of being a good spouse. If you take care of yourself so you feel better about yourself. In turn, you are going to show up as a better version of you in your marriage. So find all those fingers, all those different layers that make up yourself and think about the people, the interests, the hobbies, and the ways that all those other people and your community make up your needs so that your spouse doesn't have to carry all of it for you. Okay, the next one. Okay. Let me just start off by saying I am prude. Like if my best friend hears this, she's she's probably laughing just hearing me say that. Like I'm the person that trying in wedding dresses like is slipping my bra off underneath so that like nobody has to look at me. I'm I don't know what it is. I have always been like this, like blush at the word sex, like just prude. But I know I would be remiss and doing you a disservice if I didn't talk about sex and midlife marriage. Having an intimate relationship is what separates your relationship from being friends, from being roommates. And having that is so important in your marriage, especially a midlife marriage where you've been together for a really long time. And I just want to say that I think it's important when we think about sex to remember that Men are a little more simple than women. For women, sex starts in our heads, right? So if you know that, then plan for that, whatever that means for you. So maybe when you wake up on that Wednesday morning, you're like, tonight is the night. And you just get in your head that that's going to be the case. And you behave that way throughout the day so that when nighttime comes and you're like so tempted to put on your cozy clothes that you think about what you put into your head that morning. And I'm not going to go into any details because my gosh, that is not my department. And frankly, I'm blushing over here in my little microphone box. But I just want to say how important I think it is that you don't let this part of your marriage fall to the wayside. I think that's absolutely critical. And the more time that you let it slip, the harder it is to get back into it. And also just remember that if you are not feeling great about your own body, if you're like, gosh, I just am not feeling great about myself, which in turn kind of affects my mojo, remember that your spouse doesn't care, doesn't care. And so just take care of yourself physically and emotionally so that you can show up intimately with your spouse because that is a really important connection. Okay, that's all I can say because, you know, blush, blush, blush. Okay, next thing I just want to say is honor your marriage. Honor that covenant. And I don't mean that in any sort of like a religious way or anything like that. I'm talking about just being mindful of your behavior. So I don't know if you've ever seen groups of women that go out and they kind of like bash their husbands or they complain and they're, you know, telling kind of these details of maybe some fight or whatever. And I just think it's really important that you don't talk behind your spouse's back. I made this decision several years ago. And I think it's because you just need to remember that 
you're honoring your marriage and that person and their value. And when you go and talk behind their back, you diminish that value. And I'm not talking about like the joking, like, you know, one of my friends coming home and being like, oh my God, look at all the laundry that was left for me. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the deep things that are going on or maybe that you had a fight about that you bring out of your marriage and talk about with somebody else. Don't do that. It damages your marriage. And I just encourage you to be mindful of that. And if you feel like you really need to talk through some things, I really encourage you to get a therapist and talk to your therapist. Because if you have a fight with your spouse and you go and tell your friends or you go and tell your family, you will go back into your marriage and you will repair things. You will get over your fight. But you have left your friends and your family with the message, whatever your fight was about. And now they have a judgment towards your spouse, unconsciously probably. But why do that? There is no reason. And actually, just even while we're talking about it, I would just say I think strongly at this age in our lives, like just to be mindful of not talking negatively about anybody behind their back. It is bad juju in general. But I think really, really important and valuable to remember that in your marriage. Okay, who has seen Ted Lasso? Raise your hands. Seriously, love that show. But I don't know if you remember, he talks about having the memory of a goldfish. I think the memory of a goldfish is like three seconds, right? And that is such an important piece in your marriage. I got to be honest, I really suck at that. It's funny, I don't hold grudges in my life in general. I really don't. But it's an area that I really need to work on in my marriage is letting things go. But I think there's a couple pieces here. One is don't let things build up. You know, there's all these little tiny things that you maybe feel annoyed by or put out by. And if you let all those tiny things build up, they kind of nick away at the good of your marriage. So try to deal with things as they come up so that doesn't happen. You can just work on them in the moment and your marriage will feel lighter than pushing it down and waiting until there's some big explosion of letting it all out, right? The other part of this is just trying with all your might, if there is something, if there is a hurt that you not only forgive, but you try and forget. And again, like I said, this is something that I am working on in my own marriage to not carry things with me. But so important to just really always feel like every day is a fresh new day. Okay, I am not saying any of this in any way that ending a marriage isn't sometimes inevitable because I think that it is. I have seen many marriages, including two of my mom's marriages, and that I believed had no chance of survival. So hear me that I place zero judgment towards anyone that needs to end their marriage. I I think that there are so many circumstances that it is the right thing to do. But I also think that if you have spent, you know, two decades with somebody that your marriage is worth fighting for and that you give it your all and you leave no stone unturned. If you are in a bad place that you know that you have done all the things to try to get back to the love that you have in your marriage. And that's why I wanted to share this today because I think it is so important. No matter what, divorce, even if it's amicable, is hard. And if you have kids involved, it's even 
harder. So if you and your spouse are in one of those chasms, in one of those dips, try all these things. Please try all these things that I just told you about. I am going to also leave you with three little questions um, that I thought you could reach out to your spouse and ask tonight or on a date night so that you can try to have a fresh new thing to talk about with your spouse. Okay, number one is, what do you wish we could spend more time on? Number two, what do you need from me right now? And number three, what does freedom mean to you? Okay, friends. Thanks for listening today, and I really hope that you have a fulfilling, not hearts and rainbows, but a beautiful marriage. I adore you truly, and I am so grateful for you. I will be rooting for you and for your marriage. If you can so kindly tell a friend about the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. And even better, if you can leave a review, these things help lead more women to this conversation. And the more women that join us here for this conversation, the fuller it will be. Thanks again. 